Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. Today I got a good friend with me, uh, a friend of mine, Dustin Lewis. I've known Dustin for about, was it over 20 years now? Yeah, about 25 years. 25 years, holy shit, dude. Um, we uh, we first originally worked uh, together at a uh, music store, um, kind of close to where he lives in the, the Highlands Ranch, Colorado area. We became uh, really good friends really quick. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Dustin. Where are you from? I'm originally from Wyoming, New York. I was born and raised there. And then 96, when I was 27 years old, I moved out to Colorado. Yeah. And I've been here... On and off, I moved back east in 01, but only for about 18 months, and I came back here in 03. Yeah. So I've been in Colorado for you know, pretty much 25 years. Why did you move to Colorado? Uh, at the time, it was cost of living. You know, New York's a very expensive place to live, and I wanted also to uh, live someplace else besides New York, because I lived there all my life. Yeah. So I decided to uh, come out west. I originally wanted to go to California, but I couldn't afford California because it's the same boat as New York. Yeah. So then I wound up, and, I, and I'm not a big fan of the of the South. It's too hot, too buggy. Yeah. So I decided to come west, and I transplanted over to Denver. And thank God you did. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Right yep. Yeah. I uh, moved actually out there probably, you were 96. I think I was two years earlier I moved out there. Loved it. I loved every minute of it. I lived there for about 10 years, and then I moved back to where this area I am in now. So normally what I do with these podcasts uh, is I usually just ask people a lot about you know their musical upbringing and get to know where they kind of got their musical taste and interest and stuff. Do you remember the first time you heard music? Wow. First time I heard music? That you remember like a, a song? Yeah. No, I, I don't remember the first time I heard it. I mean, I, I remember... I religiously, my family religiously listened to Casey Kasem's Top 40 Countdown. Uh, it was on our on their family radio every Sunday morning. Uh-huh. So I remember listening to that, you know, in the 70s growing up. Yeah. But the, for the very first time, no, I remember the first song I ever bought on a 45. Yeah? Yeah. What was it? Fox on a Run by Sweet. Do you, yeah. still, do you still have that? No, no. <laughs> no, no. I don't have any, uh, any LPs or or vinyl or anything like that because my record broke the book years ago when I was doing CDs and I thought what's the point in getting vinyls I just kept on doing CDs yeah I, I, I haven't bought music in a very long time I just uh, I subscribed to Amazon Music because they have like every song you want possibly in the universe yeah and I, and I can listen to it on my computer I can listen to it at home so uh-huh. I don't even buy music anymore all I do is listen to that do you, have you found that uh, since you've gotten older that your tastes have changed quite a bit oh, oh yeah yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely become more, you know, into. I definitely appreciate more of like, you know, like the seventies funk sound, and and like you know pop music. Whereas you know back then when I was first listening to music, all I listened to was like hard rock and heavy metal. Yeah. yeah. So you said about the first piece of music you got was uh, the forty-five. Did you? Uh, were you asked to, or were you ever interested in playing instruments when you were a kid? Uh, no, I mean, I played, like, the saxophone when I was in third grade. Okay. Not third grade, I'm sorry. I, I might have been third grade. The elementary school, I played yeah. the saxophone in, like, the elementary school band. That was the only instrument I ever played. I never really had a desire to, to pick up an instrument. Although recently, my son, Jack, about a year ago, said he wanted to learn how to play, possibly play the keyboards, like piano. Nice. But we're not going to do lessons or anything. I'm thinking about just buying a keyboard, like, a hundred bucks and going oh, on YouTube. And there you go. Out, like, yeah, I talked to a couple guys that said they learned everything off of YouTube. So save yeah. save, save some money on some lessons there. <laughs> yeah, because uh, so I'm, I'm really thinking about picking up a keyboard. When you were uh, when you in your middle school and like when you were in high school, did did you kind of uh, gravitate gravitate like was your group of friends and you like call it kind of all like in the same music when you were in uh, middle school and high school? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the group of friends I hung out with and still know most of them to this day. We mostly listened to like you know eighties metal. Yeah, I was a huge fan, and you know, listen to it now, and you wonder why, right? Because music's not so great from like a, a talent standpoint. The music's very mediocre. Motley Crue, The Scorpions, 
Who else was in that? You know, Cinderella. I used to listen to Bon Jovi. Uh, Skid Row. Yeah. Skid Row, Sebastian Bach. Yep. Winger, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, just stuff in that genre. Mm-hmm. The main band that I liked that was actually probably the most talented was Van Halen. Yeah. I was a huge Halen fan. But like the first time I heard, you know, Eddie doing, you know, guitar, I, I, I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And what's funny is that the first Van Halen album, well, actually, I'll back up. So the first Van Halen album I ever bought was 1984 because I was, you know, 15 years old when that came out. And that's when I, you know, was working at that time and stuff. But I actually had some money, and I bought '84. But then after I bought that, then I started digging into the older Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. You know, just because of my age. Yeah. You know, I was too young when they first hit the scene in like '78. I was only, you know, nine years old. What nine-year-old listens to heavy metal? You know? Yeah. So you're, you've ventured more towards Diamond Dave than you do the Red Rocker, then? Oh, totally. I mean. I think the Van Halen with uh, with Diamond Dave is far superior. I mean, leaps and bounds superior than the Sammy Hagar uh, genre. Yeah. You know, and I like some of the Sammy Hagar genre songs, but it's way more poppy. Yeah. It's not nearly as hard hitting yeah. and smacks in the face like the old Van Halen yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. I do like Sammy Hagar. You know, I I remember having some of his old albums. You know, like Three Lock Box and. I was a big fan of the, of the heavy metal uh, movie that when it came out, and he did the oh, yeah. uh, song to that. His emergence, his merger and that emergence, I think was okay. Yeah. Well, I very rarely listen to any today any Sammy Hagar, Van Halen. I listen to a ton of Diamond Dave Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. The first record I ever got was 1984. I got that for Christmas one year, and I remember just being ecstatic about it, you know, and. I still have it in my vinyl collection and stuff. But I, I was lucky enough to see Dave with them um, in 2015. And I'm so glad I did, obviously, now with everything that happened. And I definitely think they're two different books, you know, but one bookend to another bookend, you know. And, yeah, definitely, I, I agree with you that the, the rocking days were definitely, uh, was definitely David. So you did you go to a lot of shows back then when you were in high school, or did you wait till after high school? No. I, I did go to a lot of shows. I mean, because back then tickets were only like 15 bucks. You yeah, know? imagine um, that. <laughs> first show I went to was Billy Idol. Nice. In, it was either 83 or 84. It was on his Rebel Yell tour. I think the album Rebel Yell came out in 83, but I think I went to the tour in like 84, if I remember correctly. The second concert I ever saw was Kiss. And my brother, who's a huge Kiss fan, took me to go see that. It's, it's when they were not wearing any makeup. Oh, they're in like um, the animalized kind of. It, it, it was the animalized yeah. tour. Yeah. Oh wow! There you go. Yeah, Queensrÿche opened up for them. Oh no way! Yeah, that was yeah. before they broke too. I'm assuming. Yeah, it was, I think when Operation Mindcrime first came out. Nice. That my, wow! Talk about a great fucking concert. Yeah, it might be. It might be right before. I, I, I honestly, it was a long time ago. I think it might have been Operation Mindcrime. I forget if I forget what year Operation Mindcrime came. Out. I think it might have been right before. I think that 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 yeah. the album before Operation Mindcrime got attention. So I think it was probably during that. I can't think of it either. I can't think of it. Yeah, the it name. wasn't the album with Silent Silent Lucidity. Yeah, I can say it on there. You know, yeah. which was the biggest hit. No. I forgot what album that was on. So it must, it must have been the album before. Yeah, because... Because they were the opening act. And for Operation Mindcrime, they had a headline, I guess. Yeah, they they definitely built up an audience by that point and was headlining, yeah. yeah. What What is your favorite show you've ever been to? Oh, God. That's a good question. Well, one of my favorite shows that stands out, Paul McCartney on the Flowers and the Dirt Tour. Nice. He played a giant stadium. Oh, man. And, uh... That was a really good show. He played three hours, played all the Beatles stuff, obviously. He played uh, his, his his modern stuff at that time. and played a ton of stuff at, by Wings. Uh-huh. And, you know, a three-hour show, no break. You know, and back then, he was probably, you know, late 40s, early 50s, and he was just going, going, going. That was a great show. <laughs> I really liked... I'm laughing because it was probably... Not as great as I think it is, but I just liked all the bands. I remember, I remember the monsters, of, the first monsters of rock. Oh, you went to that? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh that wow! 
That was at Giant Stadium. Van Halen headlined, you know, with Sammy Hagar. It was like the Scorpions, Dokken, Metallica. Kingdom Come, I believe, was on that tour. I can't remember who else was on that tour. Yeah. But it was all like the 80s, the 80s metal that I listened to, you yeah. know? And it was hotter than hell. It was like <laughs> August in New York. Oh, my God. It was God. a whole day. I remember security was just hitting us with fire hoses. Uh, you know, wandering us down so we didn't even die. Dehydration. Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah, it, that was a great show. Going and, back to Paul, you are yeah. you are definitely one of the one of the biggest Beatle fans I know too. So I'm gonna, I'm going to dive into that a little bit. What what do you think was their best album? Um, Abbey Road. Okay, why is that? Just because from from beginning to end, except for Octopus's Garden, of course. Um, <laughs> it just it just it's just a great album. It ended their career. I mean. Let It Be came out after Abbey Road, but they recorded Abbey Road last. Yeah. But they, you know, sent it out um, before that. Because obviously I was a fan way after they broke up, because they broke up in 1970 and I was born in 69. Yeah. You know, so I, I listened to all that music after the fact. Mm-hmm. I think the Abbey Road medley, you know, just blew me away when I first heard it. And so it always has a place in my heart, I think, for that album. Yeah. And, and of course, the White Album, because it just has, you know, double albums, so many great songs on oh, there. Oh, so well. many. Huge Beatles fan. I definitely have not, and I put aside the Beatles from like 60, uh, 63 to 65. You know, pretty much I like the 66 to 70s Beatles way better. Yeah. So the early pop stuff, not as much, but when they started, yeah. like, when they started experimenting, when they actually started to try out, they kind of helped uh, mold how rock and roll is, you know? Right, I would say from like Revolver on. Yeah, Revolver is definitely like that's well, a turning point for them. Definitely, yeah. Some did you ever see any of the other ones, or you just saw Paul? You never saw George. I saw Ringo Starr in his All Star Band. Yeah, you know, back in like the oh, probably the mid to late nineties. Who was in that um, lineup? I remember Peter Frampton because that was one of the reasons nice. I wanted to go because yeah. I was a huge fan of Frampton Comes Alive. Yeah. I honestly don't remember who else. I think Clarence Clemens. Oh, wow. Because I, I think at that time, the East Street Band was broken up in the 90s. I right? think the East Street Band broke up like in the mid to late 90s. Yeah. So I, I want to say Clarence Clemens, but I honestly don't remember who else was on that lineup. I could definitely look it up. No, I no. Know. I was just wondering if you knew off the top of your head. It's all cool, man. Yeah. I definitely remember Peter Frampton because that was one of the yeah. reasons I wanted to go. Because I think Peter Frampton is one of the most underrated guitarists. Oh, of, like, for sure, history. man. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's sad that he's gonna he's he's retiring too, man. It's, well, his hands are all messed up. Yeah, I mean, MS has been getting a lot of people, man. Is there a certain song that you hold uh, very dear to yourself that you've like never let go out of all these years? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, the first one that pops in my head is everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Because one, I love the title. And two, you know, it's a Beatles song. It's short. It's only like two and a half minutes. It's on the White Album. Yeah. I, I like the story behind it. Wow. And um, I don't know. It just, I just like telling people about that song. As most people don't know what it is. Exactly. It's like one of those obscurities that you would. What? If I remember the story correctly, with that song, I, I, I believe this is how that song came into existence. Before the Beatles did the White Album. They went to India to go visit the Maharaji. Okay. Because they were all doing like transcendental meditation and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I read about that, yeah. And the rumor was, or the story was that, so the Beatles, you know, get off the plane, they go to meet the Maharaji. He says something to them like, you know, like, like, like why are you here? And like, well, you know, we want to learn about meditation, we want to become better musicians, we want to find inner peaks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no. Why, why, why are you really here? And then and he's and they're like, well, we're telling you why. That's the, that's the reason. And he's like, well, most people come because they hide from something. And they're like, no, no, we, we aren't hiding from anything. We, we, we just want to find, you know, more peace and stuff. And, and he said, well, you know, that's not true because everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. That's what the Maharaji said to them, and then he what they wrote that song. At least that's the that's the story. Wow. I don't know if there's any truth behind it. We'll have to ask like Paul McCartney or something like that. <laughs> but that's that, that that's the legend of the of the of the song. That's a great story. I've never heard that before. Oh, okay, so so that song, you know, brings up, you know, tons of memories. Yeah. 
that that's a good go to song yeah. for me. What was your guys' wedding song? Um, as long as you follow by Fleetwood Mac. Okay. We don't want to mess that one. That's <laughs> because Nicole followed me out here from New York. I moved out here first. I broke up with her. Yeah. I, I moved out this. to Colorado and I got back in touch with her a few months later. And then she followed me out here. So that was yeah. our wedding song. Yeah. With our friendship, but I've inherited uh, another great friend that is your wife, you know, and. And yeah. I think she's amazing. And we have a lot of similar musical tastes, me and her, with Prince and Tori Amos and a bunch of stuff that you're like, yeah, probably. <laughs> no, Prince, definitely. Tori Amos, I, I, I don't know about that one, but Prince, yes. <laughs> we actually got to see, uh, speaking of Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks together um, out in uh, Colorado. And that, that was a great show, man. Oh, my gosh. That was a good show. And a great opening act, too, I think, personally. I, I was a big Pretenders fan, so. Yeah, yeah. So it was great to see both of them. And we, how many shows have we been to? I, I'm trying to think about that. Did we see Steely Dan together? I don't think we've seen a ton of shows. Remember we saw Ozil Motley? And we saw Everlast? We saw a lot of small shows and a lot of small venues. We didn't see Steely Dan at Evergreen together, at Fiddler's Green? I don't think so. Maybe. I vaguely remember seeing Steely Dan. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it was, man. I think we were sitting on the lawn for that one. Because I was like, who did I go see? I got the ticket stub, you know, and I'm pretty sure it was you. Yeah, Ozo Motley, man. That that was somebody I'd, that's a fun band to turn you on to. It's just a fun little, like, band to go, like, see live, you know, have some drinks and and just have a really good time, you know. Yeah, just like a small venue band. Did we go to, I don't think we ever went to any Red Rock shows together, did we? I, yeah, I think we did, because the first Red Rock show I saw was Mark Knopfler. Wait, we must have gone that together. Was that... We must have gone, because there's nobody else in the world that wanted to go see Mark Knopfler. That's awesome. Because it's after the Dying Straits broke up. Yep. And, yep. He, and he, it was, uh, they had an album, what was that album called? Easy it, Street or something like that? It has like a plane on the cover of it, I think, and it's blue. Right, it was right after the, it was right after the last Dying Straits album. Yeah. I had like the bug on it and stuff, because he was playing songs from there i remember he broke out that steel guitar yeah he's a great great fucking guitarist man yeah and the second show i saw was foo fighters but i was with somebody else no i didn't i've never seen them so yeah you got one up on me there man they were really good i mean that was the only time i ever saw them it was early in their career and it's still Um, probably epic man yeah they were really good yeah so yeah, we one thing we definitely it, we connected with was with music. Obviously, working in the music store and stuff. I remember I was going to say earlier too. I remember you having a Van Halen sticker in the back of your car. Do you remember that? I, I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my, my my Ford Turismo. Yes, yes. Yeah. There you go. I was trying to. Yeah. I knew it was a Ford. I couldn't remember what it was. But yeah. even even like you said, small venues. We used to usually you know go see stuff like around there locally. I mean, I know one of the things I love to go deal with you is some um, hit up the jazz bar downtown. Oh, Yeah, I love that place, man. I thought that was a you know yeah. a great great little bar, and you know just to hear jazz music, you know, in a bar. When I was there in Denver, I loved doing that kind of stuff, just kind of hanging out, hearing some really good music in the background. You talked about um, listening to a lot of different music. What style of music do you think you're kind of listening to now more than you do normally? Um, well, I'm going to tell you the truth, even though it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on this 70s soft rock kick. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm just listening to Why is, like... Yeah, that's not embarrassing. Like, 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 I put on channel like 17 in, of like Sirius X7 in my car. Yeah. And it just has like 70s soft rock, you know, like, uh-huh. uh, like Hole and Oats. What's that, you know, English Dan and Don for Cole, whatever the hell their names are, and Simon and Garfunkel, and like Carly Simon, and um, I don't know why, I've just been, I just listen to a lot of soft stuff for some reason. Yeah, well, sometimes you need your mood to be in that direction, too, and that's good stuff to do that way. It's, it's just relaxing, it's nostalgic. Oh, definitely. Because it kind of probably triggers memories, too, you know? That's the thing. Anytime I go listen to, like, anything that I listened to when I grew up or was around the time that I grew up, Man, I remember that, you know, and you haven't heard it like in over 20 years or 30 years. It kind of just pops back some memories of when you're younger. Right, and I also remember like, like, like take Hall and Oates, for, for instance, like they, you know, they started in the late 70s, but they really took off in the early 80s. And that was like my prime, you know, middle school, high school years. And I liked Hall and Oates, but I could not say I liked them because it was so uncool to yes, like them. Yes, yeah. Right? 
But what was happening with music, at least with me and most people I know, it's like the stuff that we when you when you were younger that you were listening to that you would never admit you liked because your friends would make fun of you for yeah. liking it. When you become like in your forties, you don't care anymore. Yeah. And you admit you like it, and all your friends admit that they used to like it too, but, <laughs> but couldn't speak up against it. Yeah. So it's just funny how that circle makes like you know they're like I'm listening to like Hall and Oates like roll up my car window when I be in a red light. Because I'd be too embarrassed that people know I was a singer. <laughs> but now it's like you just crank out anything and, and, and you don't oh, care. Exactly. So I always wonder why that was. I guess just because when you get older, you just you just don't you don't care about impressing people. Like like I remember saying really stupid shit to people when I was younger, being like, "Oh, I listen to some music that nobody else likes." Because you're trying to be cool. Yeah. Like, like I would say, yeah, I like Van Halen, but I listen to like. You know, women and children first, because nobody likes women and children first. Even though, in my opinion, it's the best album. But like everybody was listening to, you know, like you know, Jump, which yeah. is the worst song ever on the planet. <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> all the popular stuff like Panama, which is, which is a great song. But yeah. like, but I'd be like, no, I listen to the stuff nobody else likes, which is just a jerky thing to say. Yeah. you know. It's not elitist kind of thing, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And so, so I was, I was, I was, I was a kid, you know. But yeah, I, I, I circled back to like seventies soft music for yeah. whatever reason. I think that's what's great, man, is that with a serious radio and all that, you, you can change your mood and like the stuff you want to listen to, like that. If you were to tell your young, you know, younger self that, yeah, you're gonna have a radio station that plays every kind of music that you could think of when you get older and be able to have that instant access to it. Or even downloading and having streaming music the way we have it now is just amazing. Right. I was actually going to bring up uh, and ask you, have you listened to any of the music your your kids are listening to? I have. Jack really likes Billie Eilish. And um, and when I was younger, when they were younger, I, I introduced them to the music I like, like old 80s rock and stuff. And I remember them listening to it, especially Max. He would definitely listen to it. And like him and I would play like Disturbed together. I mean, you know, he was like six and I'm playing Disturbed to him. <laughs> you know. But then, then he, he quickly, you know, kids want their own identity and yeah, they don't want to listen yeah. to music that their parents listen to. You know, so, so they listen to music that I really don't care for. Oh, no, I do like some Billie Eilish songs. I can definitely understand where she's coming from and her, you know, her, her whole thing. And it is hard for me to listen to stuff that is younger than me, but I try to give everything a shot and... Some of it does sound more repetitive than the other stuff. Like you said, it's you know it's a generational thing. I mean, there was stuff that we listened to that our parents were like, "Oh my god!" Oh sure, I mean, my parents hated my music. Mm-hmm. You know, and my parents' friends hated their music. You know, like you know, you're blasting like the Scorpions or Guns N' Roses or something, and uh, <laughs> your parents are like, "What the hell is this crap?" Yeah. You know, it's the devil's music. <laughs> it's the devil's music. That's what Tipper Gore used to say. Is it hard to pick out like a favorite song? Do you have like a top five like favorite songs that you always seem to go back to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, you know, the best something high is Monkey. That's one of them. Uh, I love November Rain by GNR. I can listen to that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love In a Simple Rhyme by Van Halen. I, can listen, I listen to that all the time. Have you seen GNR? Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw them three times. Oh, really? I know you probably saw them on the last reunion tour. What was the two times before that? Yeah, I saw them the last reunion tour, and I saw them in on the Use Your Illusion tour when Metallica opened up for them. Well, it was, it was a double bill. Some nights Guns N' Roses played first, and some nights Metallica played yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But you they did. played for the same amount of time, uh-huh. and Metallica was the opening act. And I was never a huge Metallica fan, but they were a good band to see live. That stuff's like, it's like too heavy for me. Uh, it's just not my thing, like the Master of Puppets and stuff like that. Yeah. Did you uh, did you see them on Appetite then, or no? No, I definitely saw them with Metallica, and I definitely saw them on the last reunion tour. Yeah. What did you think of that reunion tour? That was great, and I don't know what happened because Nicole got me those tickets, you know, months before, like six months before she got them for me as like a gift, and we were listening to Axl Rose on YouTube from like, you know, a few years prior. I guess it was like during like Chinese Democracy and like a couple other, yeah. and, like, and like after just some shows of him. Uh-huh. And he, and he was just horrible. So so we were worried. 
of course, it's, you know, when you see a band live, it's not going to be like listening to the album, obviously, especially when, especially when it's 30 years later, right? Yeah. You know, you want to, if you want to hear somebody that sounds like their album, you go see a new band. Yeah. When you see bands from like the 80s and 90s, you know, they're 30 years old. They're not going to sound like they sounded 30 years ago. It's hard to keep Um, the pipes going. Right. But no, but we, uh, we were pleasantly surprised by him and the whole band. I mean, Slash is Slash. He's just... One of the best rock guitarists in oh, history. Oh gosh, yeah. I remember um, Nicole being all excited. Duff McKeegan had um, a Prince symbol on his guitar, on his bass, because yeah, I think it was about a year after Prince died, maybe like nine months after Prince died. Yeah, that we saw them. Uh-huh. It was a year. You know, she was yeah. very happy that he was being acknowledged by GNR, or at least mm-hmm. a band member of GNR. He was kind of like, they would call it goth now, but he was definitely very um, new wave, I guess, before he joined GNR. So it doesn't okay. surprise me. Did you ever see Prince? No, no. No, I, no. I never, I never gave Prince a thought until I met Nicole. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, I mean, you know, I, I, I watched the Purple Rain movie in the movie theater when it came out. And, yeah. You know, of course, I liked his songs on the radio. I never, like, investigated him because he was pop. Yeah. And I liked hard rock. My defining moment with Prince was, I think it was 2007, uh, George Harrison died like a year or two before. I think it was a year George Harrison died. It must have been like, I remember there was that tribute to George Harrison. I think it yep. might have been a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was like Tom Petty, Jeff Lynne, George Harrison's son who looked just like Danny. Him. And some other famous people. I don't remember exactly who else was there. They played while my guitar gently weeps. And then Prince is sitting over there, you know, standing over there in the corner, you know, just doing his thing. They're doing the guitar solo. He just comes out and just shreds it. And I look at Nicole and I say, since when can Prince play guitar like that? The only time I heard Prince play guitar is like that solo doing Purple Rain, mm-hmm. right? Everything else is just, he doesn't play guitar like that. Yeah, yeah so then she, like, we we love like two in the morning. She pulled out like obscure Prince albums and played me some of his guitar work. And I was like, wow, who knew Prince, Prince had to play guitar? Yeah. But she told me later that the story behind that was was that he wanted to be on the tribute. I guess he was a big Beatles fan, probably, yeah. right? Who yeah. wasn't a Beatles fan? Yeah, yeah. Um, someone didn't want him on there, and was supposed to be an FU, and that's why he threw the guitar and was like, I'm yeah. out of here. I know there's a lot of politics involved when it comes to that whole thing. Oh, I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure. That's what was so... George Harrison's widow, who knows? Yeah. Well, was he even married at that time? I think he was. Yeah, yeah, he was married for a long time. He's had, yeah, yeah, he had yeah. he had the same wife for quite a while there. I think for, that's right. That's right. Um, After the whole Patty Boyd thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, which is always interesting. I, I watched that um that something video that they made. Like, remember they made all those videos out in like a country somewhere. And they have that something video where it shows them all with all, all their partners. You know, John and Yoko and... Oh, and, no. Uh, I, I don't know this. It's, it's, the, it's the something video that was used to promote that, that album when it came out. I was just watching that video, getting blown away just how young they were. And, and then who they were with at that time. Peter Jackson got all of the um, footage of when they were doing their final... Remember when they did the uh, On Top of the Rooftop thing? Yeah, yeah. That was Abbey Road. Yeah, Abbey Road. That was their last concert. Yeah, they were on top of the um, Apple Records building. They recorded all the studio stuff too. You, it's it shows you warts and all. Oh wow! All the drama, but it, then it shows you all the funny shit too. They were funny guys, yeah. especially John. You know, and if you get a chance, there's a preview for it, like a ten minute preview on Apple, and there it's like showing that he's going through the process of making this documentary right now, and there's like vaults of just film. It's going to be out in on August, so I'm really excited to see it and see what he gets pulled together. And for them to even let him do that, it's awesome. And I, I mean, I hope, I hope we get to see a lot of stuff like that. You know, I, I, you know, every once in a while you kind of cringe, but sometimes you see something really cool when they take something out of the vault, and you know, so like with Prince, I mean, that family. Oh my gosh, they're. They're, oh, he's turning over in his grave right yeah, now. Yeah, it's yeah. There, but their thing is, is there's probably a lot of great music that he never released, that hopefully we'll be able to hear. You know, it's kind of cool to check that stuff out. I'm I, sure. I, I bet you differ. I bet you he has a lot of crap, not good stuff, because Prince was a perfectionist. You yeah. know. Oh yes. And if he didn't want to release stuff, it's because he felt it wasn't good. So I bet you when they release the stuff, it's going to be a bunch of junk. Prince didn't want release, but they want to 
you know, they want to make the money. I don't know how they make money from unless they make a documentary or something like you were saying. Yeah. You know, it kind of fits together. It's like some kind of, uh, you know, like film maybe. Oh, I'm sure they'll make a documentary on him someday, like they will. Yeah. Petty will, like yeah. a lot of people. I, I was thinking that they should do a documentary on like the grunge era, you know, like that short period of time from like ninety to ninety six. How all that music kind of changed everything. Oh my God! Yeah. I mean, like Alice in Chains, and um, obviously Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, but like there were so many bands that were out during that time that. It was it was just it was a really interesting time for like music. I thought it, it, when you look back, it's such a short period of time. Because then, like right after like '96, it was like all the pop stuff started coming out. You know? Oh, I watched uh, la- last night that Get On Up with uh. Oh yeah, yeah. But, yeah James Brown. And I've never watched it before. That's why I never saw it. And I knew Chadwick Bosman was in it, so I was yeah. like, I want to check this out because I think he's a really good actor. And I never knew him back then, so I watched it. And I was blown away how well, how great of a job he did. I thought he did a really good job. What album art do you most think stuck out with you when you were younger? Like, you know, album covers that, you know, you never see album artwork anymore. But during our yeah. lifetime, we saw a lot of crazy different album covers. I think Yes had some great artwork on their covers. Yeah, that was, that was the first thing that popped in my head when you said album art was, was Yes. Yeah, because yeah. Yes had a whole bunch of uh, amazing artwork. Yeah. One that stuck out to you in particular? From Yes? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm putting you on the spot here. Now you're going back. I haven't listened to Yes in years. I mean... Uh You were the one that got me into Yes. Yeah, and my friend Mike got me into them. Uh-huh. Like, like the anthologies that came out afterwards had some good artwork on it. But I remember them being known for their artwork. I just can't remember of any. And, of course, Pink Floyd. You talking about Lisa's mic? Yeah. Oh, I, I explained everything, because Genesis, you know, that's kind of like the same, the early days with, you know, Peter Graber and stuff. Oh, yeah, I can totally see that now with him. Yeah, yeah he used to be all about the prog rock. Because, yes, um, yeah, yeah. Yes, you know, is like one of the prog rock bands. And he got me into that because we saw them in concert at Madison Square Garden before I moved out here on their Union tour. Oh, that's wow. That's when, because it was called Union because they came together, right? Because what was that guy's name? Trent, uh, Trevor, 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 something. Yeah, right? yeah. Because didn't he take over for Steve Howe? Steve yep. Howe left. Mm-hmm. And that was when nine hundred two and eight, or whatever the hell that was called, came out. And that's when yes, it became a little more mainstream. Yep, owner of a lonely heart and all that. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. But Steve Howe, if I remember correctly, I think Steve Howe wasn't on that album because mm-hmm. he was doing stuff like GTR, I think. I would love to do this like conversation with Mike, man. He is, he is Mike, like Mike, he, he, he would know. We should have brought him in. He would definitely know. Yeah. I remember. I remember we saw them in the round and Union. Like yes, are like nine band members because they brought together the old yes and the new yes, right? Oh, that must have like, been awesome. You know, you know, Kevin, you know, they had two drummers like Chris Squire and somebody else. Uh, Kevin Wakeman was that his name? Keith Wakeman, something Wakeman. Wakeman, Wakeman yep. Mm-hmm. The, the, the keyboardist. Uh, of course, John Anderson. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was a great, great show. Oh, I can only imagine. And, and, and I was probably high as hell because I just remember that, <laughs> that, 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 that's how you listen to Yes, right? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. Every Yes song is like nine minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> the earlier stuff, obviously. Yeah. Is that the one that sticks out the most then as far as like the artwork goes? I mean, Yes sticks out because I see pictures of, like, mountains in my head that they had and yeah. stuff. I just don't remember what albums they were on. I remember, like, Pink Floyd, the inside album cover. Like, the wall is obviously just a wall on the outside. Yeah. When you go inside the album, it's all those crazy cartoon-type characters, you know? Yeah. So that was cool. Did you ever get to see them? I, I, I saw them. I got into Pink Floyd later. Yeah. In like 77 or 78, when The Wall came out, my next door neighbor, James, was like, I got this album by a band, we should listen to it. And I went to his house, and it was The Wall by Pink Floyd. Wow. And I remember listening to it and thinking, like, yeah, you know, it's all right. I was <laughs> into it, you know? But then when I went to college, for whatever reason, I got really got into Pink Floyd. Like and dark. Mike made me a whole bunch of mixtapes with Pink Floyd stuff on there. And that's when I got to Pink Floyd. So my first concert of Pink Floyd was, or well, my only concert of Pink Floyd was the uh, the Division Bell, because I, like I said, I got into them when I was a little bit older, 
Division Bell, I think, came out like in 91 or 92, so I was like 2021. Yeah, because I got into Pink Floyd like more, except for like when my neighbor James played me the Wall album. Because uh, I was only like 10, and I was like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, what, what, what 10-year-old's going to appreciate that? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then you got in the dark yeah. side. And... And, so, and, and I saw Roger Waters by himself. Mark and I saw him when um, he played Pepsi Center. and He did uh, Dark Side of the Moon in its entirety. So he, he opened the show, and we knew that because that's how it was built. Mark and I always argue with Nicole because she thinks the best Pink Floyd album is The Wall, and we say the best Pink Floyd album is Dark Side. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's how it was advertised. Come see Roger Waters doing Dark Side of the Moon. And so he opened the show, and he played, you know, a few Pink Floyd songs and a couple of, like, Roger Waters solo tunes. And then he did Dark Side, you know, which is a short album. I mean, if you play the actual It's like 45 album, minutes. Yeah. It's probably only 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, it's like 45, I think. Yeah. yeah. But obviously a concert, you know, they embellish on it and stuff like that. Yeah. So he probably, he probably played that for like an hour, if I remember correctly, a little over an hour. Mm-hmm. And then he went back and did other, and then he, when he closed it, he did more, you know, Roger Waters solo stuff and more Pink Floyd stuff from like the wall and animals yeah. and stuff like that. That's That was awesome. I got to see Waters. I, I didn't get to see Gilmore and the... Uh, the the later uh, Pink Floyd lineup. So that's that's cool, man. That you got to see well, it's that. It's so funny about Roger Waters because Nicole and I also will play. Um, you know, remember that concert he did when the Berlin Wall went down and he had a whole bunch of celebrities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because Brian Adams. You know, like oh, I saw yeah. Brian Adams a concert too because I was younger. I like Brian Adams. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's like you know a pop star, right? That's a great version of Young Lust. Yes. On that album, I was like blown away by it. You know what he does now? I'm assuming he just plays small menus. But He's a out. celebrity photographer. He does like a lot of the rock band photography. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He did like I think U2's either the last promotional photo stuff or the one before that. He's got a book out now, like of all this photo. That's what he does now. I mean, he does do the, the the occasional music and shit too. He went and just decided to become a photographer and do all the. Hey, who's the photographer? Oh, Brian Adams. Oh, wow. You know, like you know, so. <laughs> I was like, I was like a tenth grade when the Reckless album came out. I think it was in ninth grade when the album came out. But like, when my friend Bill and I saw him in concert, and, but we were like, cl- again, we were closeted Brian Adams fans because we both liked metal, yeah, and our friends liked metal. But like, so we couldn't admit to people that we liked Brian Adams, yeah. So I remember we went to that show. I think it only cost like twelve bucks or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I remember buying a T-shirt. But I wouldn't wear it in public. I wouldn't wear it around the house. Because I was afraid to admit that I liked Brian Adams. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> it just said reckless. It was like a white t shirt that said reckless. Yeah. Like eighty four or whatever year. I'm like, just reckless, right. man. That's why I wanted the shirt. Right, right. No, he was huge in the eighties thanks to MTV, man. He oh, was huge. Yeah. Huge. I mean, yeah. He, he had a he had a lot of hits. And then he had that song with um Tina Turner too. What was that, um? Oh, you were, that's right. He had a song with Tina Turner. What song, what song was that? Fuck. Oh, I remember. The reason I'm bringing that up because she's finally, after all of this time, she's getting in by herself. You know, she got in with Ike into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame years ago, but now she's finally getting in on her own, it looks like. Can you think of any art, like, photo that, that stuck out with you that you're like... Ooh, a photograph? Um... Maybe, maybe like Janis Joplin, like, like, like with her sunglasses, you know, that, that, yeah. that iconic picture. I was thinking that even that 1984 cover is awesome, you know, with the kid, the angel smoking the cigarette and stuff. I love that album. Yeah. Um, any concert that you'd like to see that you haven't seen yet? You know what? I was just talking about this. You know, like bands of that I, I never saw before and I want to see? Yeah. But you know, the one band that I've never seen that I want to see is YouTube. I saw them back in, like, the 90s, but I would love to see them again. Go ahead. Yeah, no, because I heard they put on a great show. Because yeah. YouTube is one of those bands that I always kind of liked, as mm-hmm. far as, like, you know, when the song came on the radio, I'll listen to it and stuff like that. Never bought any of their albums. I mean, I, I have, like, one of their greatest hits albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's not true. I'm sorry. I bought the Joshua Tree when it first came out. Only within the last few years have I got back to YouTube. I'm like, man, that's, like, the one, the one band's... That's still around. I, I was like, I can't see the Beatles, right? So it's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> the one band that's still around, that if they ever came around to play again, I would have to go see. 
And I do want to see Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah, you have to. I've never seen Pearl Jam. Oh, you haven't? Wow, okay. I technically have because for a short span in my life, like for two years, I worked at a concert theater. And um, it was called uh, Joe's Beach uh, Amphitheater. Okay. I, I was an usher there. Uh-huh. And like the uh, early 90s, I worked there for two summers. Nice. And and I did the Lollapalooza concert nice. working. It's the one that Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers was the headliner. Soundgarden was there. Saturday. Like you said, Red Hot Chili Peppers with the headliner. Um, Ice Cube was part of it. And, and Ministry. And Ministry, I was uh, Red Hot Chili Ministry, Jesus and Mary Chain, Ice Cube, Soundgarden, this band called Lush, and uh, Pearl Jam. Okay, so Pearl Jam was there. Yep, yep. Because I remember, because like I said, I worked it. But when I wasn't working, like I would turn around, because I was an usher, right? So yeah. when, when I wasn't ushering, I would like turn around and watch the bands. But I remember... Persian wasn't hugely popular. Then. I think maybe ten just came out or was coming out. Yeah. What, what, what year was it? That was ninety two, I believe, because I think ninety one was the first one. Okay. So I think it was ninety two, maybe ninety three, maybe ninety three. Because I remember one of the lead singers of one of the bands. I could have sworn was any better. So if you've never been to Jones Beach, it's on the water, and so the stage when you look. If you're playing, if you look past the stage, there's water on both sides. Mm-hmm. And water, obviously, behind you. It's right on the ocean. And so um, I thought it was Eddie Vedder, who, who uh, climbed on top of one of the speakers, and he jumped off, the, and all the security guards were like, no, don't do it. They're running down there because who the hell knows what's in that water? Broken bottles, rocks, yeah. you know, shit people throw in there. Uh-huh. And he jumped, into, and it's not that deep. You know, and so he jumped like from the speaker into the water. I think they escorted him out or something. I don't remember. It was something like that. I remember like, oh, he into the water. That's awesome, dude. You got to witness that. That's I amazing. I remember the Red Hot Chili Peppers because they came out with the socks on their dicks. You know, and that was like that time frame. Yeah. Blood Sugar Magic Mix just hit. Blood, blood, blood Sugar Sex Magic, yep. That, well, that's what it's called, yep. That's cool that you were there for that, man. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't like I was really watching the Well, you were still there for an experience. I was watching some of it, yeah. you know, because like I said, when you, weren't, when you weren't working, you were able to watch the show. Yeah. That's that's how I, I came to like Lyle Lovett, because Lyle Lovett was played there, and he was actually, obviously, a very mellow show, right? Yeah. So you didn't have to do a lot of ushering. You didn't have to, like, tell people to stop smoking, put out your doom, mm-hmm. give me your buck knife, you know, shit like that. Yeah. It was... You know, certain, when certain people played, it was a very calm show. And so you could watch the show. And Lyle Lover was one of those shows that was very calm, right? Mm-hmm. He's not... Yeah, not a what, rowdy audience going on, yeah. Right, so I, was, I remember watching that show, I'm like, this guy's fucking amazing. And yeah. uh, I went out, like, the next day and bought two of his albums. Um, I actually watched a, uh, a live show of his through streaming with um, one of the, the new guys I like a lot that I've been bragging to everybody about, and that's Jason Isbell. Okay. He was in a band called Drive-By Truckers, and him and Lyle did like a... They were in two different places streaming, and one would play a song, and then the other would play a song, and they would talk in between the songs. It was really cool. But he is... he Yeah, he's one of those guys that I would love to see live. That's uh, Did you ever get to see him live after that? No, no. But I, I still I still like him. I, I didn't become like a huge Lyle Lovett fan. Yeah. You know, but I I gained a lot of respect for him and it was just cool because it's you know, I I'll still listen to him once in a while and just wanna hang out and do something mellow. Yeah. But he's he's good. He's the only like country music I like. Yeah. Yeah. Who else did you see out there? At Jones Beach? Yeah. You remember anybody else? Oh yeah. Rush. And I've seen Rush on their own too, without working. Because I, I love Rush. So yeah, I, me I've too. Seen Rush a bunch of times. Did you watch that documentary on Netflix on Rush? No, I didn't know, I didn't know that there, there was one. Yeah, I recommend it highly, man. It's really good. I don't know, I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw the Owen Brothers back then. I got high at the Owen Brothers concert because it was a contact high. <laughs> and security. It was the, the biggest night they collected buck knives ever in Jones Beach history. They cut like 500 and something buck knives on the people. 
<laughs> I remember, I remember um, after the show, they would talk, you know, we'd hang with security, we'd go, we'd drink some shit, and you'd, so you'd go to the security office, and they would just, like, show you all these boxes of buck knives they collect. What'd they do with all that? Some they gave away, I took one, some other people took one, the rest just threw in the dumpster. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Uh, and Morrissey played. And what that sticks about Morrissey is, I'll never forget this, is that I thought, because this, this was back, you know, in the early 90s, right? This is before, like, you know, being gay and being transgender was, was accepted. I remember, like, so many people, like, all the security guards and all the ushers just making fun of all the audience members there. Oh, man. Because they're all, you know, goth. He has, Morrissey has something to do with some kind of flower. I think he's like, he likes tulips or something like that. And so if you're a true Morrissey fan, when you go to the concert, you bring a bouquet of tulips and you grow it on stage. And I remember being sad and like, they tell people, stop making fun of the audience members. Like, a lot of them, you well, obviously, you know, very flamboyant yeah. and very goth and other things. Oh, he had a big yeah. following because of who he was. So it was good to have somebody that was a figure at that time. Right. I was, the, I was wondering, you know, if you were like a transgender person or if you were like, you know, gay or if you were thinking about something along those lines. And, you, you know, back then, it was, you know, Morrissey was your guy. When you went to go see Morrissey, you're supposed to feel safe, and it was not a safe environment. It was, it was, I, remember, I remember that vividly. I remember being saddened by that. I probably worked, you know, 50 concerts over the summer. But Were you able to meet anybody or run into anybody? No, I did go back. My, my only backstage experience was the security guards let some of us ushers go backstage. Jimmy Buffett concert. Yeah. Because Jimmy Buffett plays, he still plays there every year, yeah. you know. Like that's one of his go-to because it's on the water. He's the beach guy yeah. because Corona was his sponsor. Uh-huh. And when we went back there, and there's just tons of Corona beer and people walking around. You didn't get a cheeseburger. Not in paradise, no. <laughs> and I remember um, a little what do you call it sidebar to Jones Beach. A day that there was not a Jones Beach concert, but a concert at Giant Stadium. Eric Clapton and Elton John did a concert tour together. The security at Jones Beach wasn't Jones Beach security. They were whatever third company. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know back then I didn't, realize, I didn't realize this until this part happened. I always thought they were just Jones Beach employees. But they were like contracted out from the XYZ company, right? Yeah. And so that XYZ company also did the security for that tour. So they gave my boss, this guy Tommy D., a bunch of tickets to that show and said take some of the people we went to that show at giant stadium and then we, there's one security guy max this is he let us hang out in the uh by the sound booth and i remember i was standing only about 15 20 feet away from uh lenny kravitz and stephen tyler nice were also there, but and someone was like going like this, saying, "Go talk to them, go talk to them." And I said, "No," because the one thing I I don't do is I don't approach. I've seen a couple of celebrities out in public before, but I I never approach them because you know they're trying to enjoy a show. They want to yeah, be left alone. yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go harass people, mm-hmm. so I didn't bother. You know that you did, and that's all that matters, man. Yeah. And so you know they yeah. were there, and and I remember that's I, I think Mama said just came out. During that oh, time, wow! Because I loved Mama Say. That was such a great album. Oh God, album. he's so great! I love him. And Lenny Kravitz, yeah. and, and it already would go my way. Yeah, but they were there, and that's a little my little sidebar story with Jones Beach. Yeah, that's awesome. You got to see that uh, Clapton and Le- Elton together. That's just Eric Clapton played first, and then Elton John played second, and they played together. One, one of the highlights, one of the encores. Do you remember the movie um, Lethal Weapon Three? Yeah. So Eric Clapton has a song on there called Runaway Train. Yeah, I know exactly what song you're right. talking about. So, uh, during the, what, the encore, they played that song together. And so, like, you know, that Layla, which has the amazing piano piece, right? Yeah, yeah. So, not Layla, not Ooh, Runaway Layla. Train. No, no. They played Runaway Train together. <laughs> you're like, right. where's my fucking Layla? <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, you know, Elvin John's one of the best piano I'm sure, you know, he's one of the best known piano players. He's one of the best... Pop piano players that's ever like Billy Joel, you know him, him and Billy Joel. They they, they, they couldn't play fucking Layla together. (laughs) Yeah, 
I wish I would have saw Elton John and Billy Joel together when they did that tour. I think that would have been cool to see them. Yeah, yeah. yeah did, how many times did you see Billy Joel? Did you see him at all? I saw him twice. Once at Yankee Stadium and once uh, two years ago at Coors Field. He always yeah. puts on a great show, has a great band. You oh, know. He's total, so total professional that has fun when he's out there, you know? Yeah. I, you know, being from Long Island, it's like, I believe they passed a law like in 81 that if you were born on Long Island, you have to be a Billy Joel fan. <laughs> Although Nicole can't stand him. But yeah. I, well, she doesn't can't stand him. She likes him. She can't even go see that show. But she, but she just doesn't get it. Yeah. And she's from Long Island, but she doesn't get Billy Joel. Yeah. That was one of the first albums I grew up on. My dad had Stranger. I remember playing that album over and over, man. I love that album. And then I got into him, obviously. I got to see him uh, two times. And I saw him when I was in high school. I was 16, 17. And we went to Ames, Iowa, which was about three hours northwest of where I lived. And we drove out there. Everybody from high, it was like about 10 of us from high school that drove out there for this concert. So this was like in February of that year. And we all drove out there. We go to see the concert. Concert was awesome. We were all wanting him to play Captain Jack. We got stuck there for three days because of a storm that came through. So there's a lot of irony and all that. And I will always remember that. I mean, being stuck in a hotel room with uh, people I went to high school with for like two days. That's some of my greatest memories of Billy Joel. So I usually, at the end of these uh like to talk a little about what what you do, so everybody knows. And you're a you're a teacher still, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I've been teaching for like 14 years. Although for the last couple of years, I don't teach in the classroom anymore, and I do college and career counseling. I still work for the same school. It is maybe a college and career counselor. So mm-hmm. I I help mostly juniors and seniors with that plan at the high school. And I majored in English uh-huh. because I like to read and I like to write. Okay. But I didn't know what to do with my English degree, so I just worked retail. Uh-huh. And that's where I met you. And then I got stuck in that retail rut, rut for like, you know, eight years or so. And then that's, oh no, more than that. And then that's when I decided to go back to school and get my um, okay. teaching license. Yeah. But I got my teaching license in 05, start teaching in 06. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 05, 06, yeah. I really want to appreciate uh, Dustin Lewis joining with me today, uh, having a brief conversation. Like I said, I've known Dustin for a long time, and he's one of my dear friends. And so I want to thank Dustin for joining me today. And uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds, the music that made us. <laughs>